Welcome in and thank you for listening to Creek Talk, a podcast produced by Abner Creek Baptist Church, where we aim to use this means as a way to glorify God by having public conversations about the body of Christ. We hope today's recording is helpful for some of you. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to another episode of Creek Talk. We have another member of our church here today that you're going to get to know a little bit more about, and it's a special privilege of mine because today it's my dad. Uh, so, Dad, won't you tell us, tell them who uh, who you are, what your name is, when your birthday is, and where you work? So, my name is Keith Thomas. Um, my birthday is July the twenty fifth, nineteen sixty six, and I work for Mitsubishi Chemical. Where is Mitsubishi Chemical? Uh, it's located in Greer, South Carolina. And what do you do there? So I'm director of manufacturing. Um, I have responsibilities of four plant sites, uh, three in the States, and I have one location in Brazil. If someone like me doesn't know anything about Mitsubishi Chemical, tell us in layman's terms what you do on a daily basis. What what does Mitsubishi manufacture and exactly what do you do? So when you take Mitsubishi Chemical, Mitsubishi Chemical is probably the 10th in the top 10 largest chemical companies in the world. And I represent one small division, which is performance polymers. And we produce polymers that are sold in the automotive industry. And our polymers are used for the airbag application. So the safety devices of your automobile. And so we have three sites uh, to produce the uh, safety grade airbag, and then we have one medical uh, plant uh, in Boston. Um, and then my daily duties are: I'm responsible for all the sites. I'm responsible for the productivity, the quality, safety. Um, I have four plant managers that report to me. So at the end of the day, I'm responsible for the P and L, which is profit and loss of the business. And so that's pretty much what my day consists of. On a scale of 1 to 10, number 1 being not stressful at all, number 10 being very stressful, what is the job stress level? Uh, it, it will vary, but I'd say day in, day out, it's an 8. So uh, pretty stressful. It can be very stressful when you're responsible for four sites and you have over 200 people that you're responsible for. It can be pretty stressful. Well, uh, as we do on the Creek Talk episodes, um, you're going to get to know some serious things about the member, in this case, my dad, Keith. You're also getting to know some fun things about him. Uh, let's start with a serious one. Uh, when did you become a Christian and how? So I became a Christian in 1987. I was 21 years old, and um, I was born and raised in church all of my life, but I did not come to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior until I was 21. And probably the biggest impact I had as far as drawing me to the Lord was, you know, my mom, who was 46 at the time, she passed with cancer. And so that was, um, that was a telling moment for me. Um, and the Lord used that to draw me to him and in results of me being saved. You grew up in what town? So I grew up in Fountain Inn, South Carolina. And grew up going to what church? So I grew up going to the First Baptist Church of Fountain Inn. Okay. Um, wasn't until 21, you said your mom passed, uh, which by the way, that was my grandmother. She 
die what would have been six months before I was born. Yep, correct. Six months before correct. I was born. So I never knew her. Um, that played a big factor in you having to think about spiritual things. Well, you know, when I look back, you know, um, probably for three, three and a half years, I, I, I was running from the Lord uh, before she passed. Um, and, you know, from a world standard, I had, a, I had everything. I had a good job. I had a good family. Um, so I had all the things that the world looks at, but I just didn't have any peace in my heart. You know, there's always this re- restlessness in my heart. And then when my mom got sick with cancer, the Lord just used that to really start drawing me into that there was nothing that could satisfy my soul but Him. Hmm. So in 1987, when I gave my, or when I committed my life to the Lord, from that day on to where I am today, He has has yet to stop working in my heart and soul. How did you know in that time when the Lord seemed like He was drawing into Himself, how did you know to turn to Him were you attending church at that time? Uh, who, like, who were, were you? I, yeah, what what led you to actually understand those things? Well, again, yeah, um, being raised in church, I uh, had two good Christian parents, um, and so hearing the things of the Lord, uh, seeing especially my mom reading her Bible growing up, you know, I know I knew the things of the church, and I knew of the Lord, and I knew of you know Jesus. Um, but, you know, at that point in my life, I was just totally restless in my heart all the time. Nothing satisfied me as far as peace and contentment. And at the time I was not going to church. I would attend Easter and Christmas. Um, but there was, uh, at the time, um, Unity Baptist Church in Simpsonville, South Carolina, Pastor, uh, Stan Candler, and that's who the pastor of the church was when we would go twice a year. And I can remember one Saturday evening, I was so restless in my spirit and my heart, I reached out to him. And um, and he knew you as just a Christmas Easter yeah, visitor. Yeah, okay. correct. And so I called him one Saturday, late one Saturday evening, and, and told him I wanted to speak with him. And he told me, he said, well, come see me now. And I said, now? And I mean, this was like at 9 o'clock at night. On a Saturday? On a Saturday night. and um, Before he had to preach the next day? Before he had to preach the next day. Faithful pastor. Yeah. And uh, so I went to visit Stan that night. It was a rainy, cold night. Went and probably spent two hours in his office that evening. And then the next morning, uh, I got up. I went to church. And I can't even remember exactly what he preached, but I know when he gave the invitation at the end of the service, I was sitting on the back row at the far left, and the next thing I know, I'm down front committing my life to Jesus Christ. And uh, that day, I don't I don't remember the exact date, um, but I know that day, um, it was as if Christ came into my heart and just cleansed me and gave me a, a sense of freedom and peace that I'd never experienced in my life, and he's been working in me ever since. Wow. Well, praise God. You would say God's changed you since then? Yep. Absolutely. Well, um, 
we could talk about all day more of the details of salvation. If you don't know Keith uh, and want to know more about a salvation story, uh, talk to him at the church sometime. Uh, here's a few rapid-fire fun ones uh, just to get to know you, a little bit different side of you. If you could be 21 again, how old are you now? 57. 57. If you could be 21 again, what would you tell yourself knowing what you know now? And it could be any, it could be, it doesn't have to be spiritual, it can be spiritual, but anything. If I could go back to I was 21, what would I tell myself? Um, I would, I would tell myself not to waste, not to have wasted the time that I know God was calling me to Him. Um, because I can look back and there was probably some decisions I could have made better if, if I had been focused and had my heart right with the Lord. So for me personally, I, I would tell myself to listen to what the Lord was speaking to my heart, which I ran from a long time. Hmm. If you could have dinner with one famous person currently living, who would you pick and why? George W. Bush. Why George Bush? Well, I think, he's a, I think he was a, a good president. Um, I think he is a man of faith, um, faith in Christ. Um, he, he, to me, uh, he served well our country, and I would just like to sit down and speak with him and just hear his side of when 9-11 hit, hmm. you know, what he, um, how he really felt and how he took it all in. And, you know, I've seen news reports, but I'd really love just to sit down and just hear it from him and then just... I think there'd be some really good insight to his faith as to how he got through it all. Hmm. That'd be really, really interesting conversation. Uh, what does a fun, relaxing day look like to you? Hmm. Uh, I could name a lot of things, but probably two of the most favorite things I enjoy doing is working on the family farm. Um, and probably second would be riding my Harley. All right. I want to dig in here a little bit. Uh, family farm. I've been in the family since when? 1917. Okay. What kind of farm? So we raised beef cattle, um, but it started all. It started out with my great-grandfather raising cotton, mm-hmm. and then my grandfather, uh, he farmed cotton, and then he went into raising chicken broilers and beef cattle, and now my dad and I and you have the, the beef farm. And it's more your – maybe just speak a little bit about it's more than just selling the calves. Speak to a little bit about something new that you're trying to start. So we're trying to start uh, raising um, registered Brangus bulls. And Brangus is a cross between Brahma and, and Angus. And so we're trying to build a program to where we're raising um, Brangus bulls to sell to uh, local farmers to use as their herd bull. Okay, so they might buy a Brangus bull from you instead of going to some sale and That's correct. Buy one. So they can buy directly off the farm a bull to take for their cows mm-hmm. instead of having to go to a sale. So our, our what we're trying to build is a good Brangus herd that people or farmers can buy off the farm. Okay. Uh, you say, you mentioned a minute ago, a second one is riding your Harley. Mm-hmm. What kind of Harley do you have? So I've got a 2008 Street Glide, and I've got a 2003 uh, Harley Davidson Softail. Okay, where do you like riding the most? 
probably where we like riding the most in in the spring and in the fall is our two favorite times of the year uh we love the the flat land um you know the lower part of the state we love to ride all the back roads we you know love seeing old farms we love seeing old churches we love seeing county courthouses so that's probably our favorite and then we also like riding in the mountains is there what's the furthest you've ever ridden on your bike um, in one week, we've probably ridden a total of 1,500 miles. Wow. We, a couple of years ago, we went to um, the Amish country, so we rode from here to Pennsylvania and around, and by the time we came back home, we'd rode about 1,500 miles. Okay. If you like riding Harleys and want a partner to ride with, maybe reach out and see if <laughs> Keith and Kathy want to ride sometime. What is the most influential book you've ever read, not the Bible? Winning the War Within. And what is that? Uh, by Charles Stanley. Mm-hmm. And it's a book that um, is about spiritual warfare. So, again, outside the Bible, um, the Lord used winning the war within in my life to help me see what Ephesians 6 talks about, about the spiritual warfare that we go through every day that's going on around us, things that we can't see, that spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I read that book, and I've read it more than one time, it really, the Lord used it to open my eyes to see that the spiritual thing starts in the mind, which then goes to the heart, which then goes into sin. Mm-hmm. But just that overall knowing that battle, it set me free in so many areas of my life because that was one of the things I struggled with before I became a Christian. And then after I became a Christian, I didn't understand that spiritual warfare side, so it just really had me bogged in my mind and my heart as to what was going on, but all along, God was using that to teach me that there's a spiritual warfare after our souls every day. Um, so winning the war within, that's that's a, a very good book. Yeah, I, I find just when I'm talking to people in, in, in their struggles with sin or just in daily life struggles, so many of so many times it's felt physically by them and there's not a full understanding that so many of the physical struggles we face actually have spiritual rooted issues behind them whether it's from the evil one and satan himself and and his demons or if it's our own flesh it's the from the world's temptations it's um it's it's yeah it's radical to some people when they realize, wait a second, I'm I'm not just dealing with physical struggles. These are deeply spiritual issues. That's right. Yeah. What's the one thing most people don't know about you that you wish that they did know about you? <laughs> I finished high school. I, f- I finished 12 years of school and never read a complete book. Wow. Wow. Um. Just reading, no interest? Yeah, reading. I had no interest in reading. Um, I enjoyed reading, you know, little short clip clips of a magazine if it had something to do with cars or something like that. But I had I never read a complete book in twelve years of school. Are you a reader now? I love to read. Huh. So that's one of the things I would say when I became a Christian. I was so hungry, I probably learned the most um, of the things of reading by reading my Bible. And uh, since then, 
that's one of the most favorite things I enjoy doing is just reading. Are you have something that you're reading now? I am. Um, I have a, it's, I think it's a commentary um, on the book of Romans um, by... See, being your son, I know I can help you here. Yeah, R.C. R.C. Scroll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, before that, um, I just finished a book of kind of the documentary, I don't know if you call, call it a documentary, of Kyle Petty, mm-hmm. um, which was a very good read about his life growing up as you know, as Richard Petty's son and his career. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of things I could relate to in that book. Uh, by Kyle, especially growing up as a boy, riding motorcycles and things like that. So, yeah, I just finished it. Excellent. Who are some of your spiritual heroes? So if I think about my spiritual heroes, if I look at Bible times, absolutely, it was it was Jesus Christ, um, you know, uh, John the Baptist, uh, Moses, um, Elijah, uh, I would probably, and Peter. Um, I think I'm a lot like Peter. Uh, so probably those, but if I look in my lifetime, is my in my lifetime, some men I've really looked up to would be uh, Charles Stanley, Dr. David Jeremiah, uh, John MacArthur. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Stan Candler, who actually really, after I became a Christian, he really he really took a liking to me for whatever reason and just really helped me in my spiritual walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't say this lightly, but absolutely you are, son. <laughs> well, I appreciate you saying that. I was going to ask you uh, who your favorite preacher is. You are. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask, guys. I had to ask. Um, tell us about a hard season that you've walked through before as a Christian and what God taught you through it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing the things that the Lord has done in my life. Um, again, as I said, I, I finished high school and never read a complete book. Um, and then I went to um, I went to work for a company called Parachem. Uh, it was a chemical company. And uh, the Lord, after I became a Christian, began to open up some doors for me that only he could have opened up. And just to make a long story short, um, I wound up being plant manager for Parachem. Um, I had been a chemical operator, you know, in the early years. I had worked in research and development, and then the Lord allowed me to go, or he allowed me to become plant manager. Um, and that's without a college education. Uh, that's another thing a lot of people probably didn't know about me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but in 2000, I lost, I lost that job. And again, I was, I was plant manager, um, and the Lord allowed me to go back into the workforce. And when I say back into the workforce, I don't say that in any other way, but I went back as an hourly employee mm-hmm. at Mitsubishi Chemical. Mm-hmm. And um, he working allowed, night shift. And I was working night shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the time that, that 9-11 had hit, and I had a couple of opportunities to move, but I did not want to uproot the family. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when 9-11, it, it really became difficult to find a job. So I went to Mitsubishi Chemical, and even I was working night shift. But as I look back at that, those six years that he allowed me to stay working shifts, he was preparing me as to where I'm at today. So when I look back at that, it was a very difficult time for me that the Lord 
allowed me to go from a chemical operator all the way through to a plant manager. And then it was if he allowed me to go back into the workforce and he kept me there for six years before he gave me another opportunity to get back into management. Mm -hmm. But I can see now that waiting upon the Lord, he was teaching me to wait upon him because he had a plan for me. And again, today, being director of manufacturing, um, being director of manufacturing, um, only the Lord could have done that work in and through me. Yeah. I remember just experiencing some of that and just being in the family of Impericum days. Um, you, of course, were at all my sporting events. Then when you had to go back into working night shift, I remember I was in high school at the time and I was playing tennis. And at most of my tennis matches, you would come, but you'd wake up early, come to the tennis match, and then leave the tennis match and go straight to work that night. Um, so uh, that's just my one of my memories of that time. But yeah, I can attest to the fact that God's work and plan was happening and the journey that he had you on. It was, it was neat to see, especially looking back on it now and what he has you doing now. Um, what are you wanting to grow in most these days? Love. In, in what way in particular? Um, you know, it's easy for me to, to love my family. It's easy for me to love my children. It's easy for me to love my grandchildren. You know, that's just so easy, and I'm sure it is for everyone. Um, and there's certain situations it's real easy for me to have compassion, you know, the, for, for people. But if I had to say one thing that I have to, by the, you know, God's grace and by the Spirit, that I just have to work on daily, and that's loving people. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be challenging at times, which I'm sure everyone understands that. Uh, in my role as director of manufacturing, you deal with a lot of different people. You deal with a lot of personalities. You deal with a lot of things. Um, but for me personally, I truly want to grow to have a genuine love for people that Christ has. And I don't just say that off the cuff. I it's, it's an area that I really want to grow in. Hmm. It, re- it really uh, is. That's a challenge for all of us. And if you find loving people easy in the church, um, maybe help out someone like my dad and force <laughs> him into a situation that he has to love you in. Well, uh, and, and let me let me say, it's, so I don't want it to sound like it's difficult, but it's just right. for me, it's just an area I know that I can grow in. Um, for me, and this is what I ask in my prayer a lot of times, that, that the Lord will allow me to see people as he sees people. And that's the thing I forget. Yeah. A lot of times we want to look at people and say, well, why did you do that? What's wrong? What would make, what would make you know, you have all these questions. Mm-hmm. But if we, truly, if we truly see people the way Christ sees them, then loving them is much easier. Yeah. And that's what, I, that's what I fail to do a lot of times. Yeah, that's well said. This is the last question. I like ending on this one, make you think a little bit here. Um, so somehow, if this podcast is listened to by a new Christian 200 years from now, let's say uh, the Lord tarries, he doesn't come back. 200 years from now, both you and I are dead. Our grandkids are, our children are dead. Uh, I don't know how old our grandkids would be, but let's just say 
your grandkids would be dead. Like 200 years from now, someone who has just became a Christian and somehow they stumble upon this antique recording of a conversation <laughs> between two men, what would you want to tell them in their newfound faith? I would give them two Bible verses straight up. Okay. I'd give them Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Okay. which is trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. Mm-hmm. The second one would be uh, Isaiah 40, 10, mm-hmm. where he talks about fear not. Um, and and for me, there would be those two key Bible verses I would give that, that person or want that person to have, and I would tell them to trust the Lord with all their heart. Trust him. Every day is an opportunity to trust the Lord. Hmm. And I would want to give them two Bible verses and to tell them with all their heart to trust him and to wait upon him. Excellent. Well, Dad, thanks for joining us. Um, Thank you for having me. And thank you all who have tuned into this episode. We look forward to having you again on Creek Talk soon. Until then, we want to encourage you to glorify God, proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ, and make disciples. Have a good week.